when we lived in Montana, there was a man that I saw nearly daily constantly walking the streets of Helena. Long white hair and in cold weather insufficient clothing. But the thing you would notice about him most was that he was bent. His upper body was at a 90 degree angle with his legs. So he walked hour after hour, bent with hands behind his back. Whenever I saw him, I thought to myself, I wonder what pain he has at the end of the day. I wonder how he makes a life for himself. Now, in today's gospel, we encounter a woman with a similar situation. She has been bent, we told, for nearly a whole generation, 18 years. Some of the alternate readings of this text say that she is unable to raise her head, which means that she looks at the ground constantly. She's bent. And we say about her, what pain does she have? How does she make a life for herself? Now, if we today were to encounter such people, probably we would say something like, why don't we take this person to the hospital and get some x-rays and see if there's some therapy or medicine or surgery that can fix things. But Jesus has an alternate diagnosis. What he has to say is extremely profound and extraordinarily helpful to us. What he says is, she has been bound by Satan. Bent and bound. This is important for us to hear because we probably, most of the time, don't take seriously what Jesus is saying here. And what he's saying is this. Evil is alive and well and active in our world. We are bent and bound. Now, we're inclined to explain the things that are wrong with the world or with our society in terms of oh, what medicine, technology, history, story, psychology, and those are all valuable. But Jesus' word pulls us to a deeper level and says, if you don't understand that there are active, malevolent forces in the world working among us, working in and through us, you will not have the complete picture. Evil, opposed to God. So think, for example, of the two uh, probably most persistent problems our society faces, uh, namely poverty and racism. 
And we could talk about those in terms, of course, of, of history or socioeconomics or politics. But if it's that simple and that obvious, why can't we get rid of it? Why can't we be uh, a society that has no poverty and no racism? The answer is because of active, malevolent forces at work in the world. Our society is bent and bound. And the church is not exempt, for goodness sake. There's a book out there <clears throat> that is literally as scary as hell. It's called The Toxic Congregation. And in it, the author describes how sometimes people in congregations are, as he puts it, co-opted by the evil one. And only a few of these people, in only a matter of weeks, can derail and ruin a congregation for decades to come. I've seen it. I've been there. I know what it looks like. Bent and bound. And we as individuals don't escape it either, do we? There are powers and forces that gnaw at our souls and whisper in our ears. How often do you hear the message, you are insignificant and worthless and dispensable? If you haven't heard that yet today, just wait because you will. Or the, the tempter that says to us, your worth is really dependent on what you can accumulate. And the more you have, the happier you'll be. That's evil. Or in the face of all of the problems, that nagging that says to us, oh, this is too much, I'm just going to forget it and take care of old number one. And off we go. It comes and shows itself in small ways. I was meeting with a group in a church once, and one of the men in the group reared back in his chair, and he said, well, you know, I don't ever spend more than an hour and a half a week in the church because I wouldn't want my friends to think I'm a religious nut. Bent and bound. That's who we are. But there's more to come, thank goodness. This is where we encounter Jesus, and he does three things in regard to this woman. First of all, he notices her and calls out to her. Ma'am, he says, you are going to be set free. And the second thing he does is he puts his hands on her. Now, that's an ancient sign of the passing on and the receiving of power. And when you're dealing with healing ministry, you have to be careful here because it's an exchange. What's happening is 
that Jesus, by putting her, his hands on her head, is taking on himself her evil and giving to her his life, his energy. And then the third thing he does is he reverses the diagnosis. He says, this is not an evil person. She is not being punished. This is a worthy person because she is a daughter of Abraham. No longer bent, no longer bound, but now free. Now, this story is, operates on a, on a micro level, but let's talk about the macro situation. Christ was sent from God to take on human flesh, to take on humanity in its fullness. This is what we celebrate at Christmas time, of course. This is the incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us. This act is God reaching out, noticing us, and touching us, becoming us in the most profound way. And then on the cross, the great exchange happens. There, Jesus absorbs every kind of evil that you can think of, every kind of rebellion against God. He embraces it and makes it his own. And then on the resurrection, the message is, you are not bent, you are not bound, you are free. And it'll happen today as we commune. There is almost no way to overestimate the importance of receiving communion. This is the high point of the week. It, it wasn't on television very long, but there was a graham cracker con company that had a TV ad, and the, and the punchline was, you've, you've eaten the best news of the week. That's the Eucharist. You will be eating the good news because the risen Lord Jesus himself will reach out and come to us in and with and under the consecrated bread and wine, and he will give us himself, and we will give to him all of who we are, so that he dwells in us, and we dwell in him, and we are free. It is the gospel in action, and it will happen here, today with you by name. Remember that man I was talking about in Helena? He had a place where he lived, an agency that knew him and gave him a bed and food and help. It has an odd name. It's called God's love. Do you want to live there too? <laughs>